Good morning. What a gorgeous day it is today. It's so beautiful to see you all here. So it's another Sunday, another miracle story from Luke's Gospel. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear yet another one of these stories about healing, I wonder if there's anything new I can get out of them. I mean, I get it already, right? Jesus was a healer. Okay, got it. But this one surprised me. So, like all the healing stories, it's pretty simple. There's this woman who's been apparently bent over from crippling arthritis for 18 years. Jesus lays his hands on her back, speaks words of freedom. Woman, he says, you are set free from your ailment. And when you think about it, there are actually two miracles going on in this gospel story, not just one. The healing of the woman is actually, in my opinion, the second miracle. The first miracle is that Jesus felt and expressed sympathy, empathy for someone that his culture and his religion told him he had no business caring about. Because the woman's healing took place on the Sabbath, And everyone knew that healing on the Sabbath was wrong. One of the religious leaders of the community actually scolds the woman for having the temerity to seek healing on the Sabbath. But Jesus, the only grown-up who can see past the cultural conditioning of his time and place, Jesus sees the woman clearly as a child of God, as a fellow human being, worthy of empathy. The first miracle, in my opinion, is this all-too-rare miracle of counter-cultural empathy, that Jesus could see past the cultural blindness that most of us inherit from our parents and our school and our church and our culture. As we're taught, who is worthy of our empathy and who is not? We're all taught this lesson, right? that there are some people we care about and some people that we have been taught to simply ignore. Our capacity to overlook the suffering of another human being who simply doesn't meet our criteria for care is stunning. And I'm sure we all have stories we can tell of moments in our lives when the light turned on and we thought to ourselves, oh, right, that person's a human being too. Huh. Right? W.E.B. Du Bois talked about this moment of realization in his book, The Souls of Black Folk. That moment, he said, began to occur in in abundance in the 19th century when, he says, half-wonderingly, we began to decry in others that transfigured spark of divinity which we call myself when clodhoppers and peasants and tramps and thieves and millionaires and sometimes Negroes come, became throbbing souls whose warm, pulsing life touched us so nearly that we half gasped with surprise, crying, Thou too? Hast thou seen sorrow and the dull waters of hopelessness? Hast thou known life? This is what I'm interested in this morning. This slow dawning realization 
this moment we've all had. It begins maybe as a childlike hunch that we ignore perhaps for years and it evolves gradually into a clear recognition thanks to the perseverance of that marginalized group, usually against all odds, usually in the face of our own apathy and blindness and sometimes violence, despite struggle and persecution and marches and beatdowns, finally there emerges in us some kind of common realization. Oh, right, that person's a human being too. A bent-over old woman seeking healing on the Sabbath, huh? A Samaritan, huh? Black people, go figure. Women, really? Wow. Gay people, huh? Homeless people, who would have thunk it? And every time we have one of these epiphanies, we think we're done, right? We, we draw some mental line in the sand and we say, okay, well, that's it. Gay people, fine, but transgender, hmm. And then, damn it, turns out they're human beings too. Wow, it's just a slippery slope is what I'm saying. And all the way along, right, we're getting kind of, we're kind of patting ourselves on the back for being so progressive and so full of love, while at the same time, we're inter internally resisting any further expansion of our circle of love. Like, okay, well, that's it. Now we've got it. Okay, now we're good. I wonder, you know, who's pulling on your coat right now? Who's asking to be included in your circle of care right now who's patiently letting you know that they too deserve empathy my girlfriend right now is on a campaign to get me to care about the earth and about animals by becoming a vegetarian and I can just feel this thing inside me saying really now I've got to care about the animals too the earth I mean really come on where does this love thing end right? It really, it's a quite a, a, an annoying legacy that Jesus left us with, this relentless countercultural expectation that we are put on this earth not to dominate and not to ignore and not to turn our backs, but to look and to listen and to love. Jesus just keeps showing up and inviting us to take a nice, long, loving look at that resistance in us, this need we seem to have to keep some aspects of our world outside of our circle of care. Thank you very much. What is that about anyway? What are we protecting ourselves from? I was put in mind of this question last week as I read through the amazing series in the New York Times called the 1619 Project. Have you seen that? Turns out that this month is the 400th anniversary of the time when the first slave ships appeared on the shores of what would become the United States. And as this series points out so brilliantly well, we are still failing to care about the crimes this country committed against black people. It was brought home to me by another quote from W.E.B. Du Bois, who, reflecting on the legacy of slavery, is reported to have said, 
there have been few other cases in the history of civilized people where human suffering has been imbued with such peculiar indifference, right? It got me thinking, yes, why? Why are we so peculiarly indifferent? Reading the stories in the New York Times, I had another one of those empathy moments. You know, it just hit me in a fresh way. Huh, you know, it's not just that we kidnapped millions of people, bound them in iron chains, shipped them across the Atlantic in horrifying conditions in which four out of ten people died, and uh, then forced the survivors into lifelong unpaid labor. All that is horrible enough, of course. But it's also that white people were free to inflict every kind of crime imaginable upon black people. Assault, rape, murder, child abuse, torture for hundreds of years. And of course, when slavery ended, those crimes continued with complete impunity, not only under the cover of darkness and white robes, but in the clear light of day fully sanctioned and enabled by government. And this legacy of slavery continues, of course, unabated. An economist recently reported that slave labor added an estimated $17 trillion to the U.S. economy. Slavery added $17 trillion to the U.S. economy. That's a pretty rational way of expressing what we owe African Americans. Not coincidentally, the wealth gap between blacks and whites in our country today is $13 trillion. So anyway, to honor the significance of this terrible moment in our history, this 400th anniversary, we, along with churches all across Portland and the United States, will be tolling our bells at noon today. If you happen to think of it, go outside today, listen for the bells. They'll be tolling in commemoration and they will be ringing the sound of freedom. It was the sound of freedom that came from the lips of Jesus when he pronounced healing over that woman in our story today. Remember, he said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. In that moment, he recognized something extremely important. He did not see her as everyone else did, as this annoying, arthritic woman, impertinently demanding some kind of new right. He saw her instead as the healthy, fully healed person she already was inside. To Jesus, she was not defined by her disease. She was defined as a child of God in her soul already fully healed. And that made all the difference. Yesterday, I was having coffee at a market on the east side and this homeless guy sauntered up to me and he said, you a man of the cloth? And I was wearing my clergy collar so I couldn't very well deny it, so... And, and, and he said, so am I. 
And we got to talking about the Bible and about the power of the gospel. And he, he talked about how he ain't perfect and he's got his demons, but he looks out for his folks and he pastors his people. And for one bright, shining moment, I saw a man and he was not a junkie. He was not a failure. He was not broken. He was a man fully alive with a ministry and a sense of purpose and a godly one at that. At that's when this bell of freedom rang inside of me. I was freed for a moment from that burden of empathy, that weight that can come with this obligation to love. Because, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I fall into this lazy, privileged way of thinking about compassion, which is that if I'm going to have empathy for someone, I've got to feel sorry for them. I've got to feel their pain. I find myself tempted to pity them. But of course, that's never what anyone asks when they ask for empathy. The man at the market didn't want my pity. He wanted me to see him as a man of God, a fellow worker in the vineyard, when I walk down the streets of Portland, it's not my job to be pulled down into this infinitely spinning whirlpool of pain and suffering and catastrophe and injustice that's written on the faces of every homeless person on the streets. Of course I'm going to resist that. Of course I'm going to find ways to protect myself from hopelessness and depression. Compassion can be painful, but my job is to see the wellness as well as the disease. My job is to see the child of God, not just the dirty clothes. My job is to see the dignity, which is every soul's birthright. And if I can on occasion reflect that back, if you can see that I see your humanity, and if I can see that you see mine, then the healing power of God has just entered into the equation. And that is the moment of liberation. That is the moment when we are both set free. That is the moment indeed when the bells of freedom ring in our hearts. And when that happens, God comes alive. Healing happens. And love once again wins. Amen.